today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm Bill Kelly. Today on the show, the Ontario Auditor General's report suggests that Metrolink should have studied BRT as an alternative to LRT. Predictably, both sides have strong reactions to that. And Doug Ford is in hot water as Hydro One's takeover of Avista has been scuttled by U.S. regulators. The Bill Kelly Podcast starts now. Yesterday on the show, we talked to you about the Ontario uh, Auditor General's report that was out yesterday. It's wide-ranging and, and a pretty severe condemnation of a lot of the spending habits of the Wynn government. It was all, of course, about last year. This is her annual report, Bonnie Lusk being the Auditor General. But she also, uh, we mentioned yesterday, she also touched on uh, two of the issues with Metrolinks and a number of t- problems that she thought, and she uh, actually got into the LRT debate here in Hamilton uh, suggesting that Metrolink should have maybe studied BRT a lot more than they did as an alternative for Hamilton as opposed to LRT. Well, that has done nothing but stoke the flames of uh, fire here and discontent on both sides of the issue, both the pro and the con side. I want to get the, uh, the reaction from Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. He joins us on the Bill Kelly Show. Uh, Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for the time. Good to have you t- with us today. Good to be with you as well, Bill. Fred, it, it just seems that every time that this issue seems to be put to bed, somebody throws gasoline on the fire, and the Auditor General's uh, comments about this yesterday certainly have done that. Well, it certainly has, and I think it's very unfortunate. And, uh, you know, what? obviously she's not, not the one that actually did a benefits case analysis on this that uh, Metrolinx did do uh, between bus rapid transit and LRT, and looking at not just cost, but looking at all the other city building benefits and employment opportunities and uh, uplift that uh, that comes with it. So, uh, that's a narrow, narrowly focused, uh, you know, criticism on her part. Uh, you know, with the, I, mean, I think it'd be legitimate if she looked at some of the spending issues. Uh, you know, across across the board, that's her role. I understand that, but uh, you know, not but but weighing into this uh, this difference between bus rapid transit and LRT without any kind of cursory you know, view of what, what the community benefits are and all the other aspects uh, that surround it, I think is a little rich. So uh, from, a, from a cost-effectiveness basis, I mean, if it was all about money, uh, there's no question that, uh, that BRT uh, is less expensive, but it also provides a lot less benefit and, and, and a lot less long-term uh, you know, enhancements of commercial uh, and, and residential uplift, uh, uh, enhancement of the public transit uh, volume, uh, as well as the employment opportunities and everything else that comes with it, so I think uh, I think it's unfortunate that she's weighed into this, but uh, I think we can we can dispel this notion that uh, that I mean, this hasn't been discussed because it has been. It's been part of the debate right from the very beginning, and uh, I think the community at large understands that there's a broader benefit for, from LRT than there would be from BRT. Well, let, let's address the uh, the assertion that the Auditor General makes here, Mr. Mayor. That, uh, that Metrolinx did not study this as much as they probably could have. Uh, you sat on the board back on, in Metrolinx uh, back in 2009, I guess it was. Uh, so uh, you, you've been there. Give me, do you tell us what happened? Well, between uh, 2006 and 2009, the uh, Metrolinx, we were, we were actually charged with creating the first uh, you know, long-term Metrolinx uh, transit plan. Uh, including, uh, you know, transit right across the right across the board for all parts of the community, including Toronto and Mississauga and other places. And uh, there was a full assessment done, and I remember the uh, the ongoing, uh, you know, work that was happening between, uh, you know, the staff at uh, Metrolinx, working through, uh, you know, their evaluation of bus rapid transit and what it what it meant to uh, to the city of Hamilton and, and and LRT and what it would mean to the city of Hamilton. Both of them were, uh, you know, significantly evaluated. 
And uh, the, the, the determination was that uh, LRT had more community benefits, more uplift, more, more economic value over the long term than bus rapid transit did. Uh, you know, if, if the assessment at that point was just about money, uh, then obviously you would, you would, uh, you know, would, you would gear yourself to a lower cost option. But that's not the only evaluation criteria. I mean, if it's all about saving money, then, uh, then doing nothing at all would save the most amount of money. But it also wouldn't give us a transit system that's going to, you know, endure for the long term. So I, 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 my, in my view, while I was there four years, uh, you know, as part of the, uh, the formative uh, Metrolinx board, which merged, uh, Go Transit with the, the fledgling Metrolinx at the time, uh, I'm, I'm fully confident that, uh, you know, a thorough review was done and, uh, and LRT came out on top. And, and this is the perspective I want our listeners to understand. I mean, this is the, from the provincial perspective. I know that, uh, quite aside from what you've just outlined here, I mean, the city was doing their homework at the same time. Sure. I mean, we, we, uh, we were doing our homework. We were, uh, you know, making assessments. Uh, we had our own rapid ready report, uh, you know, in development. Uh, also came to the same conclusion, although, you know, bus rapid transit was certainly an option that was considered at the city of Hamilton side as well. And uh, at the end of the day, I think rapid ready really was talking about being ready for LRT. And so, you know, one of, one of the issues that I think I want to, you know, spend a little time talking about is that, uh, you know, in, in most cases, bus rapid transit is a forerunner to LRT, light rail, rail transit. So it's, it's a beginning, beginning option. Uh, it was believed that in Hamilton uh, that uh, we should override that beginning option because it would just add more cost, and the ultimate objective was to get to LRT anyway. So if we were doing it in two phases, uh, it would actually cost significantly more to do and wouldn't give us the transit uplift that we w- we'd be looking for in the short term. So the, the view was, let's leap right from the city perspective, let's leap right to LRT rather than having that higher cost option of having two phases for this pro- process. Well, and you've referenced the Rapid Ready report, and I'm, I'm not even sure how many people on the current council have read the report. It's 700 pages long, I get that, but uh, it, it pretty much laid out what was going on. And, and to your point, the end game of that report, if you just read the end of it like you do with a novel and then tried to get back into it, the end of the game of the report was LRT. Absolutely. Uh, you know, people have had dip- different interpretations on this, uh, you know, suggesting that it was really aligned to, uh, you know, bus rapid transit or even more buses, just have more buses. I mean, we had a previous election, uh, you know, based on that, where we had three candidates, uh, you know, running, uh, you know, for mayor, and uh, two of them were supportive of LRT, and one of them was uh, was against and was really talking about, let's just do more buses. Well, we had the same argument this this election from uh, another candidate that stepped up and said, uh, you know, this, this higher-order option isn't uh, cost-effective for the city of Hamilton. It's going to ruin our taxation. I mean, you know, people have heard all the arguments. Uh, none of that is true. Uh, it's actually, uh, you know, better from a whole range of different perspectives, including future tax revenue. So I'm, uh, you know, this whole myth around what, what uh, the Rapid Ready report was actually intended to go to uh, is a myth. It was actually intended to be a forerunner to LRT. It was the beginning of a light rail transit system in the city of Hamilton and ultimately ended up aligning with what Metrolinx ultimately decided to do and what the province ultimately decided to do. A couple of things about this, and let's talk about uh, the ramifications. And there's not a whole lot you can do from the provincial standpoint. I mean, how the Premier and, and for that matter, Metrolinx respond to this is pretty much out of the city's hands at this stage. But are you concerned that uh, that the Premier Ford and his staff are going to look at this and maybe rethink their, their commitment? 
Well, I'll, I'll take again uh, the premier's words to heart. Uh, you know, we had a democratic process here, uh, you know, not too long ago, and I think uh, a long and, and you know arduous debate about LRT. Most people in, who are paying attention, uh, you know, understand the differences between the two and have come to a conclusion that that our light rail transit is the best option for the city moving forward. And uh, you know, the votes that I got, I think, is largely based on my support for uh, for light rail transit, not only this time but the last time. And so, uh, you know, I, I, the Metrolinx polling that's been done here has suggested a 60, 65% support for LRT across the board. Uh, so that's a majority. And uh, the Premier said uh, that uh, we had a democratic process in Hamilton. Uh, the, uh, the citizens of Hamilton, uh, by majority, uh, spoke loudly and said LRT is uh, the direction they want to go in, including other things. Uh, so uh, he's going to adhere to that uh, democratic process, and I respect that. And that, that's that's his word, but obviously that I, I I'm not trying to put words into the premier's mouth, but obviously with this new information, we just don't know how he's going to respond to this. So, but then again, there's, there's you have to be pretty much in a reactive position. What you can control and what you do have a say in, of course, is how this new city council is going to respond to this information. Uh, there are some people on the city council, as you know, Mr. Mayor. Because uh, you've got to head to head with them on this issue that uh, are still opposed to this whole project. Some probably sitting on the fence. Are, are you concerned that this may embolden some of the the anti LRT types? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I think there was there, there have been a couple of councillors that have been uh, you know poking and, and prodding on this uh, from a, from a, their their own perspective. Uh, you know, a lot of their their perceptions around this are uh, not accurate based on all the reporting that's being done. So there's a there's a possibility that uh, this will raise more questions, but I think you know by by and large I think the community at large has said let's get on with this. Uh, you know the debate's been had. Uh, you know a lot of this information has been out there. This is not new stuff. Uh, you know the debate between BRT and LRT has been part of the part of the debate right from the very beginning. And so uh, you know are we going to rehash this all over again, or are we going to listen to the people that uh, spoke during this past election and get on with this project? So. I'm I'm uh, I'm asking members of council to uh, to read the tea leaves. I uh, understand that we had a democratic process that uh, that the, uh, the the community at large has decided by majority that this it's time to move on on this project. Let's get it done. Let's not keep uh, you know, dabbling in uh, you know all the misinformation that's out there. Let's uh, let's move on, move move forward. And I'm asking our councillors to do exactly the same. Uh, and if there's any information that they need, it's all available. Uh, you know, we've got a complete, uh, you know, staff sitting at uh, Hunter Street, both Metrolinx and city staff that have been working on this project. It is active. It's approved. Uh, work is being done as we speak in terms of defining underground services and bridge overpasses. I mean, and, uh, and land acquisition has happened, even though it's at the moment frozen by virtue of the provincial freeze on land acquisition uh, globally. Uh, when I meet with the premier and that meeting is being set up, uh, you know, one of the first uh, you know questions I'll be asking him is, uh, when can we lift this freeze so we can get on with the, the balance of this project? So I'm uh, I'm I'm encouraging all members of council to uh, to uh, really adhere to what the community at large uh, spoke to this past election. It was pretty clear, and uh, I think we uh, we need to move forward. We should make uh, clear to our listeners as well that uh, we're talking about the Hamilton perspective on this, but uh, in the AG's report yesterday, uh, Ms. Lissick actually uh, put Toronto into that same category, uh, said that uh, that Metrolinx did not fully assess whether LRT was most cost-effective for either Hamilton or Toronto. So I'm sure that there's a discussion going on with Toronto City Council about these results as well. This is, to be sure, though, this is a pivotal year for this project, isn't it? It's a, absolutely a pivotal year. I mean, we have uh, we have the the bids are out. Uh, we uh, we want to make sure that those uh, those are that are bidding on this have the ability to uh, to get get working on it. 
you know they're they're looking for a clear signal that this is uh, this is going forward. So this is yeah this is this is the pivotal year for sure. Uh, if uh, if we drop the ball this year, then uh, you know that that, that could be uh, you know a, a disastrous uh, direction for this project. And but it, there's no need to go there. Um, you know, I, I, I take issue with the Auditor General in the sense that she's really weighing into, you know, very much broader issues that uh, that she certainly hasn't been part of. And so just looking at cost, uh, you know, is certainly an important thing to do, but um, not making the comparison between LRT and the benefits, uh, between BRT and LRT and all the surrounding benefits, I think is uh, is unfair. And, you know, I, I think Metrolinx has done a thorough job for, you know, been at it now for the better part of well, – 12 years, 10 years now. Uh, City of Hamilton has been at it for 10 years as well. And so, you know, all the evaluations have been done. This is not uh, a short-shrifted, uh, you know, blind, blind, you know, approval process that really didn't consider all of the, the factors that were associated with this. So it was pretty thorough, uh, and it uh, was very cautiously and thoroughly done over time. And uh, for her to make kind of a flippant comment to suggest, well, you could have looked harder here, is, I think is unfortunate and certainly you know, certainly stirs the pot unnecessarily. Well, uh, let's face it. I mean, we've had the, the Auditor General on the show a number of times and probably will again about this report in the next uh, couple of days. Uh, yep. But but it's a bookkeeping exercise. I mean, as you say, it's like a ledger. They look at this and say, did you really need to spend this? Uh, and, you know, there's one thing, as, as you've mentioned, is, okay, let's, let's evaluate the cost of something. The other side of that coin is evaluate the cost of not doing something. Well, exactly, and uh, and evaluate the cost of the or, or the value of the benefits, and so it's a much broader issue than just uh, just a uh, you know paper you know auditing exercise. And you know, I I don't argue with the auditors uh, you know need to have a look at uh, how spending is is carried through and where it's appropriately done or inappropriately done. And uh, you know, certainly you know the oversight of this project uh, is going to be very very important. Uh, it's a design, build, finance, operate, maintain a procurement process, which I think is a really Good way of uh, of ensuring that that uh, those that are building this uh, this this LRT is all are also going to be responsible for operating and maintaining, and therefore we're going to get the best quality project that is uh, at the you know, lowest possible operating cost because they're going to build the quality in from the very beginning because they're going to be responsible for operating and maintaining down the road, and so there's a very thorough and I think very effective uh, procurement process happening here. And uh, it'll be, uh, you know, the auditor's role and certainly our role to ensure that the, the procurement process and the future spending on the project is done efficiently and effectively and that we end up with a great product. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. Mr. Mayor, thanks so much for this. Appreciate the time. I know you're heading into a budget meeting, so we'll let you go. Always a bucket of funded budget time. Thank <laughs> you. Wear your body armor. Yes, you got it. Thank you. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Well, the uh, ripple effect of the Auditor General's comments about light to rapid transit as opposed to uh, bus rapid transit uh, has certainly got the debate going again. And I'm sure as we speak right now, Hamilton City Councilors are uh, getting together officially for the first time uh, to do business. It's a budget meeting with the new City Council, and uh, you got to figure that uh, this is going to be one of the topics of conversation. So the debate rages on, notwithstanding the timeline that uh, Mayor Eisenberger just talked about about getting the project on track. So what does uh, what does this report do, and and what are the impacts for the the people that are anti LRT? Uh, one of them who we've had on the program many times is Carol Lakeit, rather, of course, from uh, Gilbert's Big and Tall Shop on King Street. Uh, she's been a long time opponent of this. She was a candidate in the last municipal election, and uh, still obviously very uh, 
vocal about this. Uh, Carol joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to give us her read on this. Carol, good to have you back on the program. Thanks so much for the time today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Bill. Were you surprised by the uh, Auditor General's comments? Yes, surprised and very pleased, actually. (laughs) Because, uh, you know, as uh, you had mentioned, I mean, we've been uh, opposing uh, the LRT uh, proposal for Hamilton and uh, advocating for BRT. And um, <clears throat> so I'd, I'd, uh, if I could just, um, I'd like to identify a city memorandum that was dated February the 1st in 2010, the same month as the release of the, uh, be- the con- uh, benefits cost analysis. The memo identifies a conversation between Metrolinx and the city, which states the BCA numbers show BRT as the top performing system for Hamilton. And uh, I don't believe that this memorandum was shared with councillors at the time. So, I, I, I mean, we've been uh, very much uh, in support of BRT, and, um, it's, um, and, and there's so many benefits uh, surrounding BRT as opposed to the LRT. We should maybe refresh our uh, listeners' minds about this. Uh, you, of course, have been on side with uh, bus rapid transit for the longest, uh, mm-hmm. but you're 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 a business. Like I mentioned uh, the Bill, Gilbert's Big and Tall Shop. Yeah. That's on King Street. That's right where the line is supposed to go. So th- this has a direct impact on, on your business. Yes, it will, along with um, you know six or seven hundred uh, other businesses along the line, and uh, you know certainly it, it is a huge concern for us. We've seen what was. Uh, been happening in Kitchener Waterloo. Uh, businesses have lost millions of dollars. Doors have closed, and uh, it's uh, still their trains are not up and running. They're over two years late, and uh, so it'll be very interesting to see if they really do uh, come online in the spring. Well, what's what's the impact of this going to be? Uh, there are people, as we just talked about with the mayor, there are people on this new council. Uh, some of them who were reelected, who were opposed and remain opposed to this. Uh, at least one of the new councillors uh, is sitting on the fence on this right now. Uh, Esther Pauls, uh, the uh, yeah. new councillor for Ward 7, uh, said that she's opposed to it, but she could be swayed, she said. So I don't know how this is going to go. Do you, do you, are you anticipating this is going to be debated again by this new council? Uh, I would like to, um, I would hope that it will be, especially when the uh, operating and maintenance costs come through and uh, everybody realizes just how how expensive this is really going to be for Hamilton. I mean, I, you know, unfortunately, originally the cost-benefits analysis figures for the LRT were inflated to purposely substantiate the LRT system over the BRT. And uh, so right then and there, I mean, there's no validation for, um, you know, implementing an LRT. Even Dave Dixon, who used to be head of the HSR, said we need to improve and in- increase our ridership in order to substantiate and be able to sustain the LRT system. And I don't know if any, you know, if uh, the public is really aware, but uh, the LRT will be privately owned uh, by a third-party consortium, very much like the 407, and all those HSR jobs will be lost. So, with respect to what the uh, mayor was speaking about, um, referring to economic uplift and uh, increased jobs, uh, you know what we've got? Our infrastructure is already crumbling. We could. We could hire so many people to start, uh, you know, improving our infrastructure. We don't need to destroy a city, um, you know, uh, just because of, uh, you know, to improve our infrastructure. And uh, so some of the uh, reasons behind, um, you know, having the LRT, I don't believe are really uh, substantiated enough. So in my opinion, anyway. Well, the uh, essence of the Auditor General's comments Mm -hmm. 
uh, were that uh, the uh, Metrolinks, the organization, of course, that you've just referenced, Carol, uh, did not uh, do a fully a full assessment on this. Did not fully assess whether LRT was right for Hamilton or for Toronto, for that matter. I think there's three LRT projects uh, on the books in Toronto right now, and I, I got to wonder after these comments whether or not these things are are in question now. I, I truly believe, I don't think the BR, BRT system was uh, at all uh, investigated um, uh, at, at all. I mean, I think uh, based on that uh, memorandum, uh, the uh, the mayor himself just kind of unilaterally decided that, uh, you know, we're going to go for the LRT and uh, just overlook the, the benefits and um, the, um, the whole issue of the BRT, even though it would be um, certainly 20% uh, pardon me, less in uh, costs and, um, you know, would still actually have the, you know, the, the benefits uh, that uh, Hamilton needs. I mean, there's a hugely successful BRT system in Brampton, Ontario called Zoom. There's another hugely successful one in Bogota, Colombia, and as well as Vegas and Eugene, Oregon and Cleveland. And there's, you know, there's cities now realizing that uh, an LRT is just uh far too expensive, far too cumbersome, far too devastating, and uh, it's much less costly to implement uh, a BRT system that would still result in, in having um, a richer, um, more, um, I guess, well-developed transit system that's, out, that's greener, that's more sustainable, and uh, that, again, as I mentioned, wouldn't uh, destroy, um, you know, a community. And um, if I can just further just uh, make a point about uh, King Street as the chosen route, it was chosen because the B line generates 42% of the HSR revenue. So from a financial perspective, that was the only route that, that actually made sense for them to choose. That's why they didn't do a north-south. That's why they didn't, uh, you know, do uh, Barton Street or any, anywhere else. So. Is there anything new that can be brought to this debate? I, I mean, we talked about this during the election campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I know you knocked on a lot of doors uh, as you were yeah. seeking office uh, over the, lo- the last couple of months before the election as well. What did you hear there that, that, that either emboldened you or, or told you that, that this was a, a project that residents were ready for? Because you know how this, let's face it, this election it was characterized as a, as a refer- referendum, really, on LRT. Yes. I, I mean, unfortunately, I wish it was part of the, uh, the uh, you know, a vote, and it, I wish it was officially a referendum, uh, because I truly believe that, um, you know, the, the public would have spoken strongly about that. Um, I, I believe that Vito uh, did it, you know, was hugely successful in uh, his achievements with uh, what he, uh, he tried to do. And uh, the mayor, I believe, was just uh, reelected because, you know, he has been an incumbent. But I don't think that's a true reflection on um, uh, on Hamiltonian's, uh, you know, uh, comments with regards and opinions uh, regarding uh, the LRT. I mean, when I was knocking on doors, uh, I had so much positivity um, uh, with respect to my opposition uh, to the LRT because, We've, you know, our city is crumbling. We've got 34% poverty. Uh, homelessness is on the increase. I mean, there are so many other more important issues here in the city to, um, you know, to help improve us. Um, why are we looking at an expensive, destructive LRT system that um, is not guaranteed? I, I mean, building is already happening now, uh, not in, you know, 10 or 15 years when, 
you know, if this thing does uh, go through, when it will actually be up and running. You uh, were in contact with a number of councillors who were opposed to this uh, before the election, of course. One of them was, at that time, Ward 7 Councillor Donna Skelly, who is now MPP Donna Skelly. Uh, are you still in touch with her? Because I, I talked to her just after the provincial election, of course, and she's uh, maintained her opposition to LRT. Yes, I, I do keep in touch with her, and uh, she is... She's been a, a huge support, uh, you know, with our group, and uh, she still opposes uh, the LRT. She just doesn't believe uh, that it is the right plan for Hamilton, and it's flawed. As I mentioned, the cost-benefits analysis was inflated, those numbers, and it's a flawed plan. And, uh, and as I mentioned, there's so many um, professionals that uh, feel uh, the same way, but unfortunately, uh, you know, this is... Uh, the mayor's uh, supposed legacy, and and he is, uh, you know, he is focused on on trying to achieve this uh, this. I don't know, this project. Well, the reason I'm asking is because obviously Donna Skelly is now um, Hamilton's voice uh, in, mm-hmm. with, in the Progressive Conservative Caucus, of course, the only representative from this area that was elected on a provincial right. basis. Uh, to your knowledge, is she lobbying or is she just sitting on the sidelines waiting to see what Hamilton City Council does? Well, I think she was uh, pretty vocal about it while she was on council. I know. I I think uh, you know the ball is in the uh, hands of the uh, in the court of the uh, the new council for sure. I I don't think that she would, uh, um, you know, her position is um, at Queens Park, and um, uh, it is really up to uh, Hamilton City Council to make that decision. Um, you know, so I I'm, I can't speak uh, fully uh, with regards to um, you know her activity uh, pertaining to this. So you are still very ardently opposed to this. There are others in the community that are being as vocal as you are about this too, Carol. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to give up the fight. So what are the next yeah. steps here? <laughs> No, we're going to continue our fight, Bill, uh, and uh, we're going to come on even stronger, especially when the operating maintenance costs come through, because then I think, um, uh, you know, reality will will hit. And um, as I mentioned, I mean, Hamilton cannot carry the burden of this costly project. I mean, we've seen taxes uh, in what Kitchener-Waterloo increase uh, 20%. Uh, over the past three or four years, and Cambridge, Ontario is paying for an LRT system in their taxes that they have not yet seen and they may never see, uh, just depending on, I guess, whatever the province decides to do. But um, it, it's wrong for, for Hamilton, and uh, we can't afford it, and our children cannot afford it. And, uh, you know, it's just there's, there's no sustainability. So um, we will we will fight. We will continue, and uh, because we we want Hamilton to be a thriving, um, a viable city. But but uh, if this LRT gets built, it will destroy the city for the next ten, fifteen, twenty years, um, in the very least. I, that's my opinion, anyway. So how do you how do you approach city council about this? Because clearly you want this back on the docket. You want this to mm-hmm. be a, a, an issue that's front and center. Now, there, as you mentioned, there is going to be a time where they're going to have to vote a, a very important vote coming up probably in the next couple of months about the money that's uh, going to be operating for uh, the operating cost essentially for this project. And do you, you, is that the the goal for you? Is that the end date? That's the pivotal date as far as you're concerned. 
Uh, absolutely. I mean, um, in the new year, we're going to start ramping up again our uh, campaign to oppose the LRT. And uh, we believe also that as people become much more aware of the details and, and the actual project itself, that more and more are, are opposed to it. And uh, because they just realize that, uh, it, you know, it, Hamilton just doesn't need it. We don't have the ridership. We can't afford it. And um, so... Um, as mentioned, I believe that once the operating and maintenance costs come through and uh, more information becomes realized through uh, the uh, Kitchener-Waterloo uh, LRT, um, you know, that project has also um, been, um, uh, I mean, it, the cost overruns there are, are quite substantial, then hopefully Council will realize that uh, Hamilton should really reconsider and look at implementing a BRT, which would be 20% of the cost of the LRT. And then if, you know, when, if we do get that money, then use that money to improve our infrastructure, to implement programs whereby we can, uh, you know, uh, help the homeless, help, um, you know, our poverty-stricken and marginalized um, population, uh, because that's what we really need to do at this point. Carol Isaac from uh, Gilbert's Big and Tall. Uh, thanks as always, Carol. It sounds like this is heating up again, so we'll yeah. stay in touch. Okay, thank you so much, Bill. Take care. Pleasure. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, as we say, city council meeting right now. It's a budget meeting, but uh, you know, the talk is going to be in the hallways before that. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. If you uh, want to harken back to the provincial election campaign, of uh, this past spring, uh, you may remember that one of the uh, constant themes of uh, the Doug Ford campaign was uh, getting rid of what he called the $6 million man. That was, of course, Mayo Schmidt, who was the head of Hydro One, and he did, obviously. And uh, with the result, of course, that the whole board resigned shortly after that. And they said, no, this is a good thing. This is going to be good for the ratepayers. It's going to be good for Hydro One. It's going to be good for everybody else. Well, hydro utilities, of course, go into acquisition mode. Uh, Hamilton's utility, of course, has done that and partnerships. Well, Hydro One was attempting to uh, cut a deal right now where they were uh, actually going to take over a Vista Corporation, which is uh, down in Washington State. But U.S. regulators have uh, given a thumbs down and, uh, and basically quashed the deal. The reason they're giving is because of their concern about political interference from the Ontario government in how the utilities run. Joining us to talk about this is Tom Adams. Tom, of course, is an independent energy and environmental consultant and uh, always a welcome guest here on the Bill Kelly Show. Tom, thanks for the time. Good to have you with us today. Just great. How are you? I'm doing fine, thanks very much. Uh, are you surprised by this announcement? Um, well, I, I, I'm, I am a little surprised, I'm, but I'm, 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 I'm really pleased. Um, uh, it, this, uh, it's a really smart decision, I think on behalf of the Washington regulator. The reason I'm surprised is because there were a couple of other regulators, Montana and one other, Idaho, I think, that had approved it previously. Um, but Avista's got more assets in, in Washington than in those other states. And, um, and, and the, perhaps the timing of these different reviews uh, um, uh, gave the Washington regulator um, you know, a, a better view of what's really going on with Hydro One, but the, the um, you know, the, 
so th- th- there have been some favorable decisions to to the Hydro One acquisition, but this one is a it, it may may well kibosh the whole thing. Well, I mean, it, it was a thundering no. I mean, they, I, what was the number here? I think it was 471 submissions during the hearings in Washington State, and 385 of those 471 were opposed to the deal. Yeah, um, so, it, the, you know, the deal was not popular um, uh, with, you know, ratepayers in, in Washington State. Um, uh, and but the, the logic that's presented in the decision of the Washington regulator is really very powerful. Um, uh, so they're they're very concerned about you know political influence um, uh, causing the utility to act in an unbusinesslike fashion. <clears throat> um, uh, they, the the regulator had received from Hydro One and Avista um, uh, across the board comprehensive assurances that uh, politics would not interfere in proper business operations of the utility and service to customers in Washington State. Um, and and just immediately after those assurances were provided, the whole, um, you know, uh, Ontario election uh, uh, situation had uh, just unfolded and uh, and, and Doug Ford uh, uh, canned uh, Mayo Schmidt, the CEO at Hydro One. That caused the, um, uh, the debt rating agencies to um, lower the credit rating on Hydro One's debt. That, of course, has huge impacts on a very capital-intensive business. Um, uh, it was, and the Washington regulator's comment is, um, it is absolutely obvious that um, uh, p- political interference was harming the utility and that the assurances that the utility, uh, Avista, was not going to be interfered with by the Ontario government was, was, not, uh, was not well-founded. Well, in the, uh, the documents released from Washington State for the, uh, the, the, the regulators, uh, they suggest that after uh, Ford and, and Mayo Schmidt went at it, uh, which really wasn't much of a fight, he's the premier, he could do pretty much what he wanted, and he did get rid of him. Stock values of both Hydro One and Avista declined uh, and noted that Ontario subsequently passed a law limiting corporate compensation and then providing for ongoing involvement by the province in organizations' affairs of Hydro One. So how can, on the one hand, they can say that, no, there's not going to be any political involvement. There's new regulation passed by the Ford government that says, yeah, they can be hands-on. Exactly. So that, you, you, the, the, the regulator in Washington in their decision, um, uh, they, they put this kind of squarely, you know, as, as a justification for their decision to not, not to um, approve the, the merger. Um, they're, they're just saying, you, know, like, you can't do business with the Ontario government. These people are crazy. So much for the open for business sign. <laughs> well, you know pretty fine and all, but what does it mean? Uh, um, well, he's uh, 0 for 1 right now, Tom. <laughs> yeah, this, is a, this is a major black eye. Um, and, yeah, so, so Premier Ford has reacted, um, uh, and, and one of his reactions, the Toronto Star is reporting on it, and, um, and I haven't got the, the words exactly right, but it, it, it's something to the effect we're not going to be pushed around by some foreign regulator. And I'm thinking to myself... Hang on a second, man. You should pay attention to what that regulator is saying. They're talking sense over there. This, there, there really is a problem. 
um, uh, you know, Hydra One has been harmed. Um, it's uh, painfully obvious that um, all this, you know, this this the politicization of the management uh, situation at Hydra One has has caused harm to the utilities. That's not good for for customers. Um, uh, we, you know, we 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 should. We should take advice where you know where where good advice is available. Shouldn't just write off this foreign regulator. If they're making sense, we should pay attention to them. But they don't seem to want to do that. You're right. I mean, they their their statement right now is almost as if, well, this is fine, everything's great, uh, and we're we're still in the right. Uh, just to fill our listeners in, I'm sure they all remember that uh, you know the, the wind government sold off a lot of hydro. Forty seven percent is still owned by the Ontario government. Uh, and uh, and the, the concern there is that means that uh, the, the overwhelming majority is owned by people that bought shares into this whole thing right now. Uh, they've got to be upset about this as well. Well, I, I, you know, I think that the, sh- the shareholders at Hydro One uh, have been, you know, as demonstrated by the stock results of Hydro One over the last couple of years, you know, they've Every time the politicians start screaming about Hydro One, the stock keeps going down. Um, uh, but but just this morning, you know, just as this news is broken about the Washington uh, regulatory decision, it was just a little glimmer of light in the in the Hydro One stock. It's actually going up. Um, uh, and and, and I, I, there may be a couple reasons for that. Um, one thing is. When Hydro One agreed to buy this um, utility Avista, they paid a you know a, a huge premium over the stock value, and um, it, it was not it was not an accretive deal. You know it's hard to understand what the value was. The stock market never really liked the Avista deal, um, and, and you know and seeing the Avista deal go down, um, you know maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, it is a you know a chance for Hydro One to reconsider, and perhaps even the government to reconsider and get back to basics on on, on trying to run a, a business in a more business-like fashion. And it doesn't look as if there's a second chance coming up here. I, I know that, as you mentioned, Tom, the, the smart thing, the prudent thing to do here would be to reevaluate your approach to this. But the government just seems to think that no, this this is there's no walking back on this, and certainly. Uh, if uh, you know first impressions count for anything, I don't think Washington State wants these guys back anyway. No, no, you know, and who could blame them, right? Like, would you really want to? Yeah, electricity turns out to be an important commodity, right? You know, it, 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 we we all need it to uh, live in the modern world, um, and and you know, if, if you had a choice, um, and and you know, the Ontario government was going to be, play an important role. In, in the provision of electricity service in your in your state, you know, someplace in the United States, would you really want to be dependent on the Ontario government for your electricity service? Uh, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe not. The track record's not so good. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, I know that the government's going to try to put this off as a one-off and say, oh, don't worry, we're still going to be just fine here. But going forward, Tom, I mean, like you say, a lot of business is, is dependent upon uh, well, the attitude that people have towards your company in a situation like this, it's the Ontario government. And if the reputation here is that, look, at these guys have hands-on on everything, they're going to be meddling on you uh, with this. I, I don't know that too many people are going to want to come to the table. Well, notice, for example, that Hydro One doesn't have a CEO, right? Still. Still, yeah. 
and you know, so so you know, it's a headless corporation. This is a multi-billion-dollar operation. We, uh, 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 you know, the, the providing service to like millions and millions of people. Um, uh, and, and, and it doesn't have, you know, a functioning corporate governance system. Uh, um, and, and you know, it's the it's the you know a topic for question period. Uh, um, uh, like almost every time the the, the legislature convenes. So you know, it's this is a it's a chaotic situation. Uh, Hydra One's become a, a kind of ping pong ball, gets bounced around a whole lot. Um, you know, there's a lot of opinions. Uh, you know about you know every politician. Queens Park has got an opinion about what to be, what to do with Hydra One. Some of those opinions might have some merit. A lot of them might just be based on hunches or, you know, polling information or, you know, it, it not, not kind of careful scrutiny. So where do we go forward on this one? I mean, obviously they, they've got to do business. And uh, one of the things, I guess, to, to maintain any sense of stability, of course, is is these utilities always have to be looking for acquisitions. And, and, uh, and you know, Hamilton's utility has done that. Others have done that. We're involved with a couple of, you know, municipalities, five of them, I think, now. Uh, and, and, but even on a grander scale, I mean, Hydra One's got to be doing business with other utilities right now. This is a not a very good first step for it. And, and your point is well taken. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was June that uh, that Mayor Schmidt got his walking papers or uh, with a nice little paycheck to make sure that he's going to be okay for the next little while. And and here we are in December right now, and there's still no head of the company. Uh, that doesn't send a very good signal in the business community. Forget and this, uh, the premier is supposed to be a businessman. I mean, he should know that. That should be job one, shouldn't it? Well, you, you, you know, you, you'd think that we could we could get a, a, a you know some 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 good you know you would hope right that we would get some good leadership at, at Hydro One. There was, um, uh, I, I think, a really interesting uh, report in Globe and Mail on Friday. Um, uh, Karen Howlett at the Globe and Mail has been doing some really terrific reporting lately on Hydro One. She's got a lot of good history in the in the electricity area. She, you know, she's a reporter to watch on this, and she's reporting on uh, on on uh, the, you know a, a conflict between the independent directors versus the government on uh, who to uh, turn to for 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 the uh, CEO position. It, you know, it, and it just, it really points to the kind of chaos that's, uh, you know, that, that, that's going on, at, you know, at the, at the top rank of uh, of this very, very important company. You know, you know, you know just to remind your listeners, um, Hydro One provides uh, direct service to over a million customers in, in Ontario as distribution customers, you know, to get a bill from Hydro One. But also of vast significance, Hydro One controls almost the entire transmission system um, uh, um, for the province of Ontario. They own and operate. And so this, um, you know, of course, the transmission system is what connects all the generators to all of the distribution utilities. So it's, it's just absolutely, it's the, you know, the jugular of the whole, uh, uh, you know, our whole electricity supply. 
we have a problem here when it comes to, I guess, who's going to make the decision and who's in charge, do we not? And and I think you talked about this with us, Tom, back when uh, the wind government was selling off uh, Hydro One, that at some point, you know, who's going to be in charge, who's going to make the decisions? Uh, we've seen a lot of evidence since June that, uh, that Doug Ford likes to be hands-on when it comes to appointments to some of these key roles. He's you know swirling in controversy right now about the new OPP commissioner. Uh, but 53% of this utility is not owned by the government, and they want to have a say, obviously, in the new CEO. Is, is that why we haven't got anybody appointed yet, because they're, they're not on the same page? Well, that, that, that's what the Global Mail has reported. Um, uh, and, Wouldn't surprise yeah. me. It doesn't surprise you, I would think. No, no. But what did surprise me is the candidate that, uh, that Doug Ford is, is promoting for the job. Um, the, the, the current uh, Doug Ford is promoting the current CEO of, of Toronto Hydro. Um, you know, th- th- that's a much bigger discussion, but I, I have major, major concerns about, uh, you know, what's going on in the governance situation at Toronto Hydro. Th- this is not a new concern on my behalf. Um, uh, this has been going on for a long time, but the current CEO, Anthony Haynes, I, I really don't think he's fit for the job. Um, uh, you know, he's he's got got a lot of uh, per- personal problems uh, uh, you know he's with a you know a CV you know that he testified to over a period of 20 years that turns out to be not truthful well, there are a lot of factors um, uh, that raise concerns about we would certainly not want to have uh, um, a, you know the kind of problems that Toronto Hydro's got with very high rates not so good reliability and, and just map that right onto the whole power system for the entire province through Hydro One. That would be just awful. Well, and we all know that the reality in politics is that, you know, whoever's in charge uh, like to appoint people to, to boards in situations like this that they feel comfortable with and can maybe even do their bidding for them. But it just seems in the short period of time that he's been in the corner office at Queen's Park, Ford's taken it to a new level uh, with some of the appointees that he's made right now. So I don't know where, where the, if ever the twain shall meet there, because clearly uh, you, right off the bat, have just told us that this guy's not going to be qualified for this, and it's, that's, that's the guy he's pushing. Uh, the rest of the, the, the people that are actually going to have a stake in this are, are going to be conflicted with this right from the get-go. Absolutely. And so, you know, the, the Globe and Mail has reported that there's the conflict that's between these, these two groups, the independent directors versus the uh, government controlled directors uh, over this, um, uh, really, really points to, um, you know, some fundamental problems here. <laughs> um, you know, if we can't get people on the same page about who, you know, how to do the leadership of the utility, how does the utility do anything else? Like, the utility's got, um, you know, capital spending programs that are very large quantities, uh, you know, very large numbers. Uh, Utility's been trying to get on top of uh, a lot of customer service problems that they've had in the past. Um, uh, um, These are are heavy issues. These are not, you know, simple matters. Uh, that they need uh, close attention, and the fact that it's just been going on now—we're—we're—you know—we're—we're many months uh, uh, operating with this decapitated utility. It's just like it—it—it's it, well, it, it, like this is just grossly negligent from a corporate governance perspective. You just simply have to have a, a, a more structured. Decision-making process, governance process. Uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 the fact that, that Ford has not 
uh, uh, put in place some 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 strong leadership that that, that can can garner public confidence in, in Hydro One is uh, I think a, a major major black mark on uh, Ford's record so far in the overall uh, uh, you know his overall role with respect to the energy system in Ontario. Tom Adams, uh, independent energy and environmental consultant. Uh, Tom, as always, thanks so much for this today. Right on, thanks, Bill. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.